listening to the Smoke Signals Podcast, hosted by Jake Dungan and other IBI contributors. We're talking tribe. Well, good day, good afternoon, and good evening. Wherever and whenever you happen to be tuning in, we are glad to have you aboard. I'm Jake Dungan, a senior contributor for Indians Baseball Insider, welcoming you to this week's episode of the Smoke Signals Podcast. And uh, this week, you know, a few weeks back, we kind of set this arbitrary deadline of, you know, the, is this going to be the time at this date on June 13th uh, where the season was going to be decided for the Indians? You know, and at the time, it seemed like with all the series that were coming up and all the matchups, it seemed like it was probably going to be decided by that, but right now it looks like the Indians are exactly where they were at this point when we first uh, had this discussion. Uh, Joining me, of course, is uh, IBI Editor-in-Chief Justin Lada. Justin, uh, Indians, almost frustratingly so, haven't haven't budged anywhere as far as where they are in the standings. They're still ten and a half games back and behind the Twins. They're a couple games out of the wild card race, and, you know, they're just... I don't know how else to put it. They're treading water. They're not out of it, but they're not really serious contenders, or at least I don't know if they can be considered that at this point either. They are who they thought we were. Or, yeah, that was, that was the thing was Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. Yep. They're they're not they're not a good they're not a great team. They're not a bad team. They're just a mediocre team. Yeah, and. It's, uh, like I said, it's going to be frustrating at times, especially when our expectations were for them to be World Series contenders. But, you know, it, at least you would hope that uh, it would go one way or the other, that either that they would figure shake off the uh, the rust here or the inconsistency and find a way to get back into the race, or they would uh, fall off to the point where, you know, they could trade away some of their key pieces and try to rebuild and retool for the next uh, couple of years. Uh, they're just kind of stuck in this in-between where, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to justify uh, any decision they make, whether it's to stand pat and see what they, see what they can make of this season or try to trade off pieces. It's not going to go over well either way. Yeah, they're, they're definitely stuck in the middle, which really stinks, but I think they definitely have to, consider the long game they have to consider next year as well as the rest of the season it's just going to be hard time to decide I mean I think I think we've been saying this for weeks now I think they need to be in the same realm of what Tampa Bay did last year you know they just need to maybe trade a few pieces that they're not going to hang on to long term and get back some pieces that are going to be here for a long time if they can, can if they can convince somebody like the the Rays convince the Pirates to take Archer and then get someone like Tommy Pham. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know, the Rays are not a big market team. They don't spend a lot of money either, so it's, it's definitely doable. Um, just to recap this last week, though, before we get into it, uh, the Indians actually had a halfway decent week uh, taking that series against the Twins, uh, which we discussed last week. But then they also... Uh, pretty much surprised everybody, I think, and and uh, took two out of three from the Yankees and uh, before splitting that two-game set against the Reds. Um, Zach Plezak had his first uh, uh, subpar outing of the 
of his big league career while uh, Oscar Mercado played the hero in the first game with a walk-off single in the 10th inning. And, uh, you know, what was your read on this week? I mean, you know, the Twins series, uh, they needed to take that series badly. Ideally, they could have had a sweep, and that would have really helped them out a little bit. But then to take two out of three of the, out from the Yankees, I don't think I, anybody saw that coming. No, I definitely didn't see them playing that well against the Yankees. I, you know, they went five and three on this homestand when you count the Red Series. I kind of thought that going four and four and four was probably the more likely outcome if things went well. So I, I, they played better than I thought they were going to play uh, in each game. You know, Plesac was great against the Yankees and not so great against the Reds, but everything else just kind of went their way. And, and they battled back on Sunday. You know, they got down early. Um, with a bad start from Shane Bieber, who got knocked out early, and they battled all the way back, and then they just didn't have a whole lot of bullpen left to to hang on. So they played way above my expectation in the home stand, but unfortunately, they just you know didn't make up a whole lot of ground doing it. Yeah, I mean, the, taking the games from the Twins was big, but uh, seemed like whatever they could just couldn't time it up as far as you know the wins and uh, the wins for the Tribe versus losses for the Twins. It just never matched up, and uh, you know here they are, pretty much in the exact. I think last week at this time they were in the exact same position, ten and a half games out, and maybe pretty much every time we've been broadcasting the last uh, three weeks, maybe even a month, it seems like that's where they we've been talking about them, you know, being 10 and a half games out, which is not a great place to be again, not out of it, but you, they're right on the cusp. If they fall any further out, it's just going to be harder for them to uh, make up that ground. And, uh, it's, I don't know. Would you agree with me in saying that it's just, it's just getting frustrating for them to constantly be in this position where, you know, we want them of course to be good. And nobody's saying we don't want them to be good, but I'm just saying that if, if the season is not meant to be, then just let it happen as it just I'm not saying like the Indians should like tank or anything like that, but if the baseball fates uh have decreed that the Indians are not gonna be contenders this year, then just let them fall out of the race so they can make some moves and uh try to uh re regroup for the future. Um because being caught in this no no man's land where the the hands of the front office are pretty much tied right now because there's no real way to gauge where the team stands right now. I think that uh, that might be that might be uh, a worse situation than uh, you know even, than losing at this point and being out of the race because at least then they can make some moves and try to see if they can uh, try and see where they stand in the uh, near future for uh, twenty twenty and beyond. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough spot to be in. No one likes being in the spot, and I think they have to be realistic about do they really want to do you really want to trade a, a, a Tristan McKenzie or a Nolan Jones or a, a gosh, I'm trying to think who they even have to trade this for. Tyler Freeman, I guess. You know, do you really want to trade any of those guys and and try to go for a wild card spot? I mean, I, unless they really make up ground in the division over the next month. You know, they'd have to get back to four or five games, I think, to make it seem like a worth a shot to go for the division. That's why I keep thinking they need to try to do both. I mean, you know what? At this point, they set themselves in this path. They tried to 
retool this offseason and still compete. You know, that was what they pretty much said they were going to do. They were trying to get younger for the future, and they were still trying to win the division this year. It didn't work out, so I guess, you know, we keep saying go down the same path, but maybe just go to the extreme now and try to, to accomplish that and, you know, put your chips in the middle of the table for 2020 and 2021, although they're not going to, they're not going to sacrifice, you know, long, long term, obviously, but, you know, at least try to make yourself better for next year and give yourself a shot to come back and have a, a chance at division in 2020. Well, you know, and I think that the first part of the equation that you mentioned there as far as what their strategy was, uh, getting younger for the future, I think they actually did an admirable job of accomplishing that because, you know, they brought in the likes of uh, Oscar Mercado and Daniel Johnson and Jeffrey Rodriguez and uh, even guys like Jordan Luplo who have been uh, played above expectations and might uh, piece into the future. Uh, they... They've done a great job with that. They have some prospects coming up like a uh, Zach Plezak or a Tristan McKenzie, a Bobby Bradley. They've got guys coming up next. Um, so my thing is, you know, I'm looking in terms of, you know, what what the best chances are at competing long-term and maintaining sustainable success. And you know what? I know that people are all in for the World Series no matter what, but... If you're ten and a half games back, what moves can you make at the deadline, whether it's involving trading a Tristan McKenzie or a Nolan Jones, like you said, um, are going to get them from being ten and a half games back to being serious division contenders again? Because, you know, they can get a nice bat for the middle of the lineup or they can get another a decent starter, uh, or or whatever, and probably uh solidify some of those areas, but I don't know if that's the difference between them making up ten and a half games. And I I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not going all in on a wild card spot. It just doesn't make any sense at this point because the way this roster is constructed right now, you know, you can get to a wild card spot and go all in that way, sure. But then what happens? You risk it all on a one game playoff and then after that you have to go through a pretty tough uh, American League playoff field after that, after putting all your chips on that uh, one-game playoff, and then you have to go through the Yankees, the Astros, the Red Sox, whoever, to uh, get to the World Series. And it's to me, it's just uh, the, the cost versus benefit and versus the risk and all everything that is involved in that is... I don't know if it's I don't know if it's worth it at this point, just considering the fact that uh, of what the Indians are trying to accomplish right now by getting younger, trying to uh, make sure they have a future for the next couple seasons. Um, I unless they can figure out a way to go all in for the division, I don't think that going all in is their best strategy this year. But they've made no indication that uh, that's their strategy now moving forward with their payroll constraints. Yeah, I mean, it, the thing is, with the pitching staff, they're set up pretty well to win the wild win a wild card game. They have the pitching to do it. You know, we we've seen in wild card games that, you know, if you run into a really good pitcher that night, the other team, no matter how hot they are coming in, could be done in one in one game. Of course, we don't know about the offense, but if they were to get in, you'd at least have a shot with the pitching staff. Um, but yeah, what happens after that? Who knows? I just think that. Like you said, there's no reason to go on for a wild card spot unless unless the team gets really hot and just finishes. Like I think they have to close the gap on the division, or they they would have to 
even have like a lead in the wild card spot. Like if you go if you go into the like the week before the deadline, and maybe you have like I don't know a five or six game lead in the in the first wild card spot. I could say I could think about maybe because you know you've really wrapped up a playoff spot or you feel like you're in control, but. I don't think chasing a wild card spot to me doesn't make any sense. You know, I, I think if you're if you're chasing it by a decent amount, going in just going all in for that is not a good idea, especially when you'd have to sacrifice options that could help you next year. I mean, you, you can't trade, you know, you can't trade guys like Daniel Johnson because it's the one of the first outfitters they've developed in a while or they got so you can't you know move guys like that those guys have to be part of the future yeah i know and uh i think that it just is counterintuitive to what they were what they were uh trying to do this off season which was getting younger and trying to get more options for the future so it doesn't make sense for them to turn around and just uh, trade some of those guys away uh unless it was to have a shot at truly winning the division because that's the only uh way in my mind it would make sense and considering the uh, wild card standings right now yes the indians are right on the uh, outside looking in the first team out right now at two and a half two games behind texas for the second spot but they're also competing with uh boston and oakland who by all accounts uh either one of them bo- both of them could be arguably be better teams uh on paper than the indians if they if everything comes together boston especially um so the fact that they uh, have such a crowded uh, field to compete with for the wild card spot—it's just not worth the risk to me. So um, I'm fine with playing it out and seeing if you know some things can come together. Maybe picking up a few uh, lesser uh, options on the trade market here or there, or bringing up some more uh, uh, prospects to try to see if they can help help them out as far as the uh, wild card race is concerned. But uh, I'm just not going all in on a wild card race, and it's the the time of going all in right now. Uh, I think that time, other than going all in for the division, is pretty much done at this point because now they think the Indians have more focus on the future than they do on trying to compete for a World Series. Especially now that you know they're only a game over 500 and uh, uh, well. A fair distance back in the division, and you know, in a crowded wild card field, just uh, also for uh, frame of reference, as far as the wild card field is concerned, uh, Tampa Bay and Texas each have uh, plus run differentials, as do uh, the Red Sox and Oakland. The smallest run differential among them is uh, plus 25, which is Oakland. The Indians right now are at minus 10, they're the only team within uh three games of that uh, wild card spot that is in the negative as far as run differential. And I think that's a significant figure, which could suggest that, you know, the Indians are doing a lot. They're they're doing well maybe in one-run games, but they're also getting... They're they're also getting uh blown out a lot, or or they're not score they're just not outscoring their opponents. So as far as like the peripherals go, I don't think I don't see a lot there that's worth risking uh, and mortgaging the future on for this season either. I mean, yeah, if you can go out and get, I guess, get a long term, you know, player. I guess you know, like like I said before, what Tampa Bay did with um, Tommy Sam really helped a lot. You know, I guess there's that option. You know, if you go that route to get a hitter, 
um, or whatever you think you're going to do. But they, I, I think before any of this, they have to make decisions on their roster. Before they can trade four people, I think they need to go out and figure out what they're going to do with Bauer and Hand, if they're going to call Bobby Bradley up, if they're going to call Daniel Johnson up, um, if we're going to get a chance to look at Nick Samlish this year, if, if James Kiernchak's hamstring ever heals, which right now it doesn't sound too good. He hasn't been with the team in a while. He hasn't even been in Columbus, so he must be back in Arizona having to rehab it, so that's not good. Um, but you have other options, too. I think I think they just need to get, a, get an idea of who's part of the future with their own players before they go out and make any other trades. Uh, to begin with. Yeah, and uh, this is something that this next month and a half is really going to determine. And uh, what do you think? If they if they make up significant ground, say if they, they somehow manage to claw back within like five games of the Twins by the trade deadline, where do you see uh, the Indians going from there? Do you see them trying to uh, bring in somebody? Uh, or are they just going to maintain the same mindset as... Uh, if they're going to bring in anybody, it's just it's going to have to be somebody who's going to be able uh, be able to help them now and in uh, the next year or a few years to come. It's five and a half. Uh, that's tough. I guess it really depends on on where they are in the wild card spot because they'd have to really make sure they have a spot, regardless, to do something like that. And you know, five and a half games isn't insurmountable. I guess you have also. I, and the Indians will never do this. They don't make reactionary trades. They're not going to be trading for something just because the Twins bought an add a piece. You know, they're not going to make a move because the Twins made a move. So, but I guess they kind of have to see how vulnerable they think the Twins are. If they suffer any injuries, if they make any moves first, I think you kind of have to get an idea of what your adversary is going to do. And, and you know, Derek Falvey is their president of baseball ops, so they know how he operates. So. They should have a good idea of what their plan is going to be. All right, so uh, this is, I think now, I hate you know. To say we're, getting, we're not giving up on the season, but it's just, you know, it, I think they just have to face reality that you're pretty far back of a playoff spot and you have some some players that are coming up on free agency and, and have peak value. I think you have to make, you have to make an unpopular decision sometimes. Right, and they have so many younger players coming up too, so you have to consider that. And uh, I'm all for if, – if, if it comes to it, I, I don't want to say I'm all for uh, giving up on the season because I am obviously not. But if it means bringing up more, say, like a Bobby Bradley or a, or a Nick Sandlin or James Karinchak if he gets healthy, uh, maybe even a Daniel Johnson if he continues playing well in Columbus, uh, if it means bringing those guys up to give them a look in Cleveland and see if they can help uh, and, and they're ready to help, uh, I'm, I'm all for that because I think that uh, of these young players they brought up, uh, they're – there's a good portion of them, at least, that could uh, help the tribe in the future, and hopefully they would give them more of an idea of how much they have to retool uh, for 2020, 2021, what, whatever uh, the timeline is they're looking at. And uh, so, yeah, if if the Indians uh, were to fall out of it this season, I just hope that. Uh, well, I hope that they don't. They don't because I want to see them contend. I hope that it means that they're just going to go all in and get all these young kids up and see uh, what they're capable of because I think that there's a lot of talent waiting in Columbus, whether it's with Bobby Bradley or, you know, everybody's clamoring for Bobby Bradley. He just hit his 18th home run of the season. He's uh, 
killing it in Columbus right now. And, you know, if Tristan McKenzie ever comes back, I know he's getting closer. Um, and then, of course, the guys I mentioned, Nick Sandlin, James Karachek, uh, Daniel Johnson. So there's there's talent there. They just need to see if it's worth bringing them up uh, to give them a look in Cleveland and uh, see if they're ready for Major League Ball and ready to be uh, productive everyday players. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm ready to get a look at Bobby Bradley, too, but I want to say this, too, and we're not diving this deep on topic because it's gotten out of hand on Twitter, but, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, this, the thing that goes around with Frank Cohen about not playing young players, and the funny part about that is they're sticking with Jake Bowers, and he's struggling right now. He's a young player. It's just really funny that, you know, there people have been saying he needs to play younger players, and I know they're playing Leonis Martin and Greg Allen's back in AAA, and um, you know Mike Freeman's up, and you know whatever. It's just funny they're they're sticking with Jake Bowers through all of his struggles, but in years past they would, you know, a lot of people want Jake Bowers sent down. They want him out, like they don't want him playing right now. It's like, well, they finally stuck with a young player and he's struggling, and. You know, now you want to flip the script and, and send him down. Even though I know people want to call it Bobby Bradley in his place, I just I find there to be a little bit of irony there. Even though you would replace him with a younger player, it's interesting sometimes because I, in certain circumstances, I I tend to agree with that. I mean, it's hard to look at you know the Jesus Aguilar or the Yandy Diaz situation and not raise an eyebrow. Um, but yeah, it, 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 there are some select situations where, you know, regardless, I mean, I think Tyler Naquin was kind of that way too. You know, he's gone up and he's come up and basically uh, played every day, uh, every time he's been up. I know he's been up and down a couple of times due to injury or what have you, but, uh, you know, Naquin's gotten that, that kind of treatment as well. So it, it just makes you wonder, you know, I don't think it's... He's Frank Cone is biased against all young players, but there are some that, for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem to get on board with as quickly as everybody else. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. You know, trying to get you know deep into that and and get into that argument with anybody. It's just you know they are sticking with Jake Bowers through his struggles, and I think that's good to see. Even though he probably could use a refresher in AAA, you know, it's just. They're finally have a young player. They're trying to stick with them, and I, I don't think they should be pushed back for that. At least on him, even though, like I said, he probably needs a trip back to AAA. Right. So, uh, what do you say we uh, talk about some positive news? Uh, <laughs> finally, some positive news on the starting pitching front for what seems like the first time in weeks, if not months. Uh, Mike Clevenger's coming back. He's going to be back on. The- uh, on the mound on Monday against the Rangers after a couple of rehab starts and looks like he's ready ready to go. So uh, Indians finally getting one of their core starters back and uh, not a moment too soon because, you know, they with Carrasco's illness and, you know, of course, Jeffrey Rodriguez on the DL along with Kluber's broken arm, which is still a long ways away from healing. Uh, they need something back in that rotation, some kind of stability, and hopefully Mike Clevenger can bring that. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be good to have him back for sure. Uh, I don't know who goes down. I guess there's plenty of options to send back, I guess, Plutko maybe, but, um, you know, getting him back at least is, is a boost, maybe in the clubhouse even, because he's become kind of a leader among the pitching staff, especially with Corey Kluber out, even though Kluber's kind of a, a uh, leader by doing and not 
um, saying much. So it'll be it'll be good to have him back from that presence, and maybe it'll help Trevor Bauer out before you know, too. You know, he's got a rapport with Trevor Bauer and and Shane Beaver, so maybe having him back in the clubhouse also helps those two guys out as they've kind of hit a rough patch too. So maybe that you know helps the Indians from Clevenger's spot and from the other guys' spot. Yeah, absolutely, and we all know that Clevenger. I mean, the only pitched a handful of innings before he had that injury, but man, he was dominant, and uh, hopefully this, I mean, a little rest is probably to be uh, reasonably expected, but uh, man, it looks like he was starting to come into his own, and I had predicted before the season started that this was going to be a big breakout year for uh, both uh, Mike Clevenger and for uh, Shane Bieber. Bieber certainly living up to his end of the bargain, although save a few uh, rough outings, but uh I think that Clevenger might be on on uh, point for a uh, breakout season. Hopefully, uh, he can finish out the year strong after missing so much time. But uh, I think that uh, I really do believe that uh, Clevenger is on the verge of becoming a star pitcher in this league. Yeah, I'm right there with you. He, I mean, he had 22 strikeouts in 12 innings and two starts, and looked like he was gonna give Bauer a run for his money and then the Cy Young race and. <laughs> You know, Bauer starts struggling and Clevenger's hurt. Kind of all happened at the same time. Right after that is when Bauer started to fall off a little, and it was when Clevenger went out, oddly enough. Right, so uh, so it's going to be uh, Bauer, Clevenger, Bieber, uh, Plezak, and Plutko in the rotation? Is that how it's going to shake out now? Yeah, because it looks like uh, it's going to be a few weeks before Rodriguez is able to touch a baseball, so... Although we heard that with um, we heard that with Clevenger, and he was you know throwing pretty early, so maybe he'll be okay. But yeah, even even so, I think they'd rather go with that than with Rodriguez. I think they know that Rodriguez is not a finished product anyway. Right. So uh, good to have. Not that, uh, not that police sack is. You know, and and then you know, I know that the depth is pretty thin right now, but you know that five, starting five right there. Not the worst that th- not the worst group the Indians could put out there, uh, considering everything that 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 staff has gone through so far. So uh, things are starting to come back around a little bit, hopefully, and maybe they can get some stability out of that rotation and lean on that pitching staff because you know, aside from the starting pitching, despite their uh, all their ails so far, um, the bullpen has really picked up the slack and been probably the most consistent part of this team all year. I mean, you look at uh, the numbers, and they have a combined 328 ERA, which is first in the majors, a 121 whip, which is third in the majors, a 380 uh, FIP, which is third in the majors, and then a 2.8 F4, which is uh, fourth in the majors. So, uh, you know, that bullpen is pitching well. We were wondering if it was all smoke and mirrors, but, you know, we're in the June now, and they're still uh, holding – Holding up their end, and uh, it's it's Brad Hand anchoring at the back of the bullpen, setting the tone. But the that whole group has really come together nicely, and I think that if you were to point to any part of this team that is the reason why they're still uh, maintaining uh, maintaining their standing in uh, the playoff race, it might be the bullpen. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I I I fully admit, you know, coming into the season, I was for sure thinking the bullpen was going to be the problem and not the outfield. I kind of figured the outfield, they'd kind of patch it together like they have in years past, like 2016 or something. Um, the bullpen's just been unbelievably good. Brad Hand's been 
better than expect, even better than expected. I know you're, it's a guy coming off, you know, a couple all-star appearances. Um, he's not, he's not throwing that hard. He's only throwing 92, which is, you know, his average fastball, which is down from last year. Sliders have been so good. It's unbelievable to see. Nick Whitgren looks like a real, a real piece to the bullpen now. Um, you know, Nick Goody's even back throwing the ball pretty well. The last few outings, good to see him back. I'm trying to think of who else is in that bullpen. But pretty much everybody, other than a few blips from, what, Tyler Olson and Oliver Perez, everybody that's been in that bullpen has been a good contributor, except for, you know, they sent Neil Ramirez down a while ago, too. Right, yeah. And uh, and I, I just wanted to uh, highlight Brad Hand. I mean, last two months, uh, this was according to Zach Meisel on Twitter the other day, uh, 23 appearances. He has uh, an 0.39 ERA in 23 innings. Uh, he's struck out 35, walked 5, and has held uh, opponents uh, to a 107, 173, 173 slash line. I mean, you talk about dominant, that's like... I don't know if I would say Andrew Miller level dominant, but that's pretty. It's that, up that, there. That's that's pretty nasty right there. Pretty uh, pretty untouchable. So uh, I mean, I would say between uh, him and Carlos Santana, and then I'd throw Francisco Lindor in there too. Those are the three leading uh, All Star candidates for the Indians, Indians right now. As uh, uh, the Midsummer Classic approaches uh, a month from now. Yeah, I think Brad Hand's definitely in. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I don't know, with this bullpen, uh, you know, we were skeptical about guys like Nick Wickgren, uh, and, you know, basically everybody except for Brad Hand uh, coming into the season, because, you know, we had been so used to the established guys of Cody Allen, Andrew Miller, Brian Shaw, guys who had proven track records, then you have a bunch of uh, lesser-known names come in, who have... uh, little to no track record, and somehow they've been able to patch it together. Do you think that this is sustainable? Because, I mean, just looking at the numbers, it certainly seems that way. Not a lot of it, other than, uh, like, a combined, you know, middle ground strikeout rate. They're right at only slightly over nine strikeouts per nine innings, which is, I think, like 16th or 17th in the majors in as far as a strikeout rate goes. So they're not, like, blowing hitters away, but... You know, other than the strikeouts, they're doing just about everything else right. Yeah, I think the interesting thing is that the, the, they have collected these arm angles. We talked about this before. You know, with with Brad Hand having a strange kind of high three quarters, hides the ball well with a weird with a frisbee slider, and then you know Adam Simber, Tyler Olson, Oliver Perez, Nick Whitgren, they all have very different arm slots and releases that throw you off. So the Indians have definitely targeted guys like that and it seems to be working well that's it certainly seems to be working and uh, i hope it continues because uh the, the indians need consistency anywhere they can get it right now and they've certainly got it from the bullpen and of course brad hand and uh and then and, and i hate to take it back to this but uh do you think uh if the indians were to fall out of it does brad hand become their biggest trade chip because they can certainly uh get a nice uh, return for him if that were the if it came to that because you know I don't like the idea of trading a, an elite closer like Brad Hand but you know the Indians have been on the opposite side of the coin and have to get up a lot for uh, top end closer such as uh, Andrew Miller uh, so what kind of return could we be looking at for a guy like Hand? 
Yeah, I think you have to hold out for, I guess, an Andrew Miller kind of deal, right? I mean, that's where, I mean, it's almost the same situation. He's he's got the ridiculous numbers, the track record, the team friendly contract. It's really the same situation reversed. Is where the Yankees weren't sure where they were at in 2016. They were kind of stuck in the middle and decided it wasn't worth going for, and the same kind of pitcher. So I think there's teams out there that would pay really well for for Brand Hand. It would kind of stink to trade him because of his team friendly deal, and you think you can be good again next year, but you know. If you go out in the offseason and work on your bullpen again, you can put that back together. And, uh, you know, there's guys in AAA that could contribute there next year. I think it would be awfully hard to turn down a, a major league bat that's ready to play even this year. And maybe you get a bullpen piece back and a starting pitcher. You know, I think if you get three three really solid prospects. And the thing the Indians have done really well is they've had some – real gaps in, in drafting and developing on their own, you know, in their own farm system. They've had some struggles. But the one thing they've done really well is they identify other teams' talent really well. I mean, look at their starting rotation. Mike Clevenger, Corey Kluber, Carlos Carrasco, Trevor Bauer. None of those guys were drafted by the Indians. Um, Daniel Johnson, you know, they, they targeted him. Um, obviously, they picked Francisco Lindor. But Carlos Santana they traded for way back when. I don't know if that really counts now, but... They've always been really good at picking up other teams' prospects, maybe more so than developing their own. So that's something to think about, too, when they make yeah. this move. And then the reason I bring it up, too, and this is something that Corey and I have discussed in the Farm Report, but if you really take a look at the Indians' farm system, i got to tell you, I know that it's finicky as far as developing uh, relief pitching prospects, and it's hard to really gauge you know, who's going to be successful and who isn't based on their performance in the minors because – most all uh, minor league uh, relief pitching prospects look good in the minors. It's just when they get to the majors, that's the real uh, dividing line there. But uh, that aside, you look up and down this farm system, one area where the Indians are pretty strong in as far as depth right now is relief pitching. And, you know, whether it's the guys like uh, Sandlin, Karinczak, uh Henry Martinez, uh whoever in Columbus, uh, and then you go down to Akron, you got Argena Sangulo, you have uh, Robert Broom just got promoted to Akron, um, that, and then all the way down into the A-ball levels even, you got so you got so many uh, guys, Jared Robinson's another guy, Dalbert Siri, um, there's, there's a lot of intriguing options right now. I'm not saying all these are going to become like Brad Hand level type pitchers. I think that, you know, the highest... And prospects right now probably are probably James Karinchak and Nick Salem. They have the highest uh, chance of success in the majors. But I think that just the sheer volume of pitchers that the Indians have coming up, going all the way down to the A-ball levels, even like Lake County, you look at guys like uh, uh, Skyler Arias or uh, uh, Manuel Alvarez or uh, uh, Aaron Pinto, uh, they're... There are a lot of options up and down the farm system right now, so I say if the Indians were going to deal Brad Hand, at least they'd be dealing from a position of strength if they're looking at their overall depth. Yeah, I mean, like, like we said, they have options down there, and, and, and the bullpen is something you can also address in the offseason by signing someone or making it another trade. And who's to say they don't get relievers back in the trade? I mean, when the Indians traded for uh, Andrew Miller, they got they traded Ben Heller and J.P. Fireisen uh, to New York, and I know... Um, ben Heller had Tommy John, so did Fire Eisen, but Fire Eisen's back pitching really well in AAA this year. It's just he doesn't have a 
uh, a home in the Yankees bullpen because their their bullpen's so good. Um, but the Indians and, and this, I mean, it's going to depend on what happens, what they need to do, and, and where the pay, payroll looks like next year. But you know, Kipnis's contract's going to be off the books. Um, you're probably not going to give Danny Salazar four and a half million next year, maybe. Oh <laughs> I my I can't, goodness. can't say for sure, but that money will be off the books. And if they trade Trevor Bauer and, and, and Brad Hand, that's even more money off the books. So even though signing relief prospect or relief pitchers on the free agent market doesn't always work, there's a chance you might be able to find somebody out there. And they've been really good at finding guys on, on free agency for relievers that turn out really well. I mean, you know, Tyler Clipper's been pretty solid this year. Not that he, you want to rely on someone like that for a playoff-type bullpen, but, you know, I'm just saying the Indians have had a track record of making that work. So the bullpen's something you can address in the offseason. If you trade Brad Hand, you may not get a Brad Hand, but if you develop one of your own guys, if you get someone back who is a reliever in that trade, and then, you know, you sign someone, then you might have a better, uh, just as good a bullpen next year. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and, and I'm not saying, you know, it's this is not the trade Brad Hand podcast because I'm not saying that at all. I think we should appreciate where he is, and hopefully he's part of, one of the pieces that can lead the Indians to the playoffs this year. But if something were to happen where they were to fall out of the race and it would be – the the ship would be beyond uh, – beyond hope for recovery at this point, then I think that uh, they need to capitalize on trading Brad Hand, and they would be they would be ill-advised not to. So uh, that's pretty much where I think both of us are in spotico on this issue as far as where what the initiative do with Brad Hand. It, it, it does, it's not fun to think about, but, you know, as you said earlier, Justin, sometimes tough decisions have to be made and unpopular decisions have to be made in order – for the good of the team uh, now and in the future. So uh, this might be the Indian's best chance at bringing back some really helpful uh, pieces to help them retool for the future. So uh, if that's the case, then I guess we'll have to be okay with it. But uh, I want to yeah, end no, up... I don't, I don't, I don't think we're ahead. saying they have to trade him. I think, I think the point is if you get an offer that's too hard to refuse, you're getting so much value back that can help you next year, I think you have to consider it. Not, not that they're, t- they're, not, they're not taking, you know, 19, 18-year-old A-ball kids, you know, for next year. I'm ta- We're talking major league help that's ready to, you know, come up at the end of this year or to help them out next year, and it's got to be three or four players. Yeah, and that's, I think, very fair to, way to put it because the Andrew Miller return is, is uh, I think, a fair – a fair estimate of what they could get in return and uh, de- definitely more than what they gave up for, for him. Cause I think he's worth more than uh, Francisco Mejia at this point. Oh, that's not even a question. Yeah, I know. So uh, yeah, the Indians definitely, I think are on the, the plus side of that trade. And I think that they're in a good position, whether they keep Brad hand or decide to trade him. So uh I want to end today's show and talk a little bit about the uh, success of Carlos Santana because we haven't really talked about him in full detail in a few weeks, and all he's done is just continue to to uh, play well, rake, and hit the ball out of the park. He's up to uh, 14 home runs already, 42 RBIs. He's got a 2.1 F4. Um, 
you know, he hasn't really been good defensively this year, but, uh, man, what has he been dynamite offensively? I mean, 14.6 offensive war, according to fan graphs, 144 weighted runs created plus, 390 weighting on, weighted on base average. And then, you know, aside from him hitting for more higher average, which he is at 286, hitting for home runs, he's still doing the same Carlos Santana type things he's always done. 46 walks versus 45 strikeouts. I mean... You know, him and Brad Hand are the, the shoe-in for the All-Star game. I think Lindor should be considered as well, as he's been on fire since coming back from the injured list. But uh, Carl Santana, I think it's time we give him a nice, some nice appreciation because we're two and a half months into the season now, and he hasn't... I mean, I know he's not hitting 350 like he was at the start of the year, but he, other than that, he's he hasn't slowed down since the start of the year. Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable, and, and it's better than we could have hoped. Coming back, I mean, I know Edwin, everyone's like, oh, Edwin Encarnacion's having a great year, and he is, but I, I think Carl Santana having a career year is, is nice, and getting him to the All-Star game and his return home, and he's been a, you know, probably a nice veteran in the clubhouse with uh, some of the young guys here has been really good, and it's funny, I think people appreciate Santana more now than they ever did before, and I think they appreciate him a little bit more when he was gone last year. But I think they, they appreciate him a lot more now that he's back. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to give uh, Santana his props because I think that, uh, I mean, he's obviously been the Indians' best player so far this year. Uh, I don't think it's even a question at this point. And, you know, he's been the anchor of this team. You know, I think it's been pretty much him and the bullpen that have been carrying this team. And, you know, Lindor, you can say he's come back and been able to contribute as well. But uh, it's really uh, those two aspects of the team that have really held up and been uh, rock solid since uh, opening day. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, he was, boy, like you said, I don't know where the Indians would be without his bat because, you know, without Lindor here early on and the way Jose's been, they, he's been the only consistent hitter they've had from April to now. So, there's like, I mean, I know, you know, in-season war is not perfect and, uh, war is not a great gauge of how, how much a guy, you know, always means, but you can't quantify this, but I don't know where the Indians would be without him. Absolutely. So, uh, get on there and vote for him for the, uh, all-star ballot because he deserves to be a, uh, not only in the all-star game, I think he deserves to be a starter. So we'll see how that, uh, how that shakes out. But, uh, looking ahead to next week's games though, Justin, uh, we've got coming up over the weekend, um, you got the Indians heading on the road to Detroit, where Adam Plutko is going to take on uh, Ryan Carpenter and the Tigers. Uh, then Shane Bieber takes them out on Saturday, uh, started to be determined for Detroit. Uh, then Trevor Bauer against Spencer Turnbull for uh, the Tigers. And then Monday, it's a trip down to Texas and uh, what could be a key wildcard matchup. Uh Mike Clevenger making his uh, return to the mound. No starter yet for Texas. Uh, Tuesday, the, of course, the starters are yet to be determined. Um, so this will be a four-game set uh, Monday through Thursday uh, before the Indians return home again to face the Tigers. So uh, this upcoming uh, stretch, I mean, especially the series against the uh, the Rangers, uh, that has some playoff intrigue to it, not only just because Clevenger's returned to the mound, but because of the wild card implications. Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's going to be really, really fun. I wonder how long Clevenger's going to go, but 
yeah, I guess that really uh, it will make somewhat of a difference, I guess, in terms of what the Indians do over the next month and, you know, at least puts them in a playoff spot. And, and if anything, I think it makes their – if they do well against the Rangers and, and climb into a playoff spot, then it just makes the front office's decision even harder. So I guess we'll see what happens. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting month. Absolutely. So uh, looking forward to this next week, seeing Clevenger back, and uh, that series in Texas should be a fun one. So uh, – before we uh, wrap things up here, Justin, uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, just read uh, three up, three down on Mondays. I got some good notes about Will Benson and uh, Jose Fermin coming this coming up week. He started the ball a lot better. Um, Mahoning Valley also starts Thursday night, so I'm hoping Sunday I'm going to get down there. So if I get down there on Sunday, I'll have some notes uh, Monday. Sounds good, and uh, yeah. The, my plug is going to be, on a related note, the Farm Report podcast. Corey and I talked a lot about the Scrappers. Corey got to go to Media Day and uh, had some interesting notes on uh, the likes of Ethan Hankins, uh, George Valera, and uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Bracco, and and so many others who are on the Scrappers roster this year. There's a lot of intriguing players whether it's those guys I mentioned or uh, a number of other players. Uh, of course, there's going to be more uh, joining the team once these players uh, sign from the draft and uh, get assigned. So um, we'll see a few more of them too. And there's going to be a, a lot of players uh, coming in, uh, whether it's in the rookie ball level, summer league, um, and then, of course, Mahoning Valley. Uh, so there might even be some spillover into Lake County because as we talked to, uh, as we talked to Jeff Ellis after the draft, uh, a great number of these players that were drafted are expected to sign. I think, uh, Jeff said that he didn't expect anybody beyond the, uh, before the 26th player selected by the Indians, uh, to, to not sign. So, uh, that's a, that's a lot of players coming in. So that's going to be, uh. Interesting to see where they uh, find room for all these guys. Yeah, I mean, upwards of 30. That's going to be a lot of players in the system. Not a bad thing. Hopefully, the worst the worst part is, you know, I, I hate to end the podcast on a sour note, but I think it's kind of got to remember um, it tends to mean releases for a lot of guys that are already in the system too. So yeah, it's, it's good, another... good, but there's a, there is a, there's a bad part to it. Of course, and uh, I don't want to get too far into that yet because I don't want to speculate yeah. or say anything like that. But uh, that, that's certainly the uh, the flip side of that coin. So, uh, but we won't uh, get into that. We'll take that as it comes. Not a positive note. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as for my other plug, check out the. Uh, uh, four thoughts column, which we'll be posting uh, around the same time as this podcast, uh, maybe a few hours later. But um, I'll be having some uh, notes on the scrappers as well, and uh, I'll also be talking about um, uh, what else will we be talking about? Uh, yeah, there's notes on the. I'll be having some notes on the scrappers as well as you know the relievers who are stacking up Lake County. There's uh, a few of them I want to highlight. Uh, Wilson. I want to talk about Wilson Garcia, who's been hitting the ball pretty well in Akron, 
And then, of course, the uh, Hillcats All-Stars, who were named this past week. So uh, congrats to all five of them who were making the All-Star team for the Carolina League. So uh, other than that, check that out. Check out the Farm Report podcast. And uh, uh, stay tuned for next week when we will return. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jake D. Baseball. Justin's at JL underscore baseball. You can uh, follow the show on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI and uh, follow the uh, site account at official underscore IBI. Again, as always, all the breaking news, all the retweets, news stories, uh, and links to all of our content can be found there. And uh, tweet at us for any uh, minor league questions or Indians-related questions, and we can chat about baseball. We're always up for that. Um, other than that, though, uh, subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a nice rating. And spread the word. We do appreciate it. So uh, until then, though, uh, we reconvene here on the airwaves. Uh, for Justin Lada and the Smoke Signals Podcast, I'm Jake Dungan. And we say to you, have a good one. For questions and comments, you can email us at smokesignals at indiansbaseballinsider.com. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at SmokeSignalsIBI where you can find links to all our shows as well as poll questions and other cool podcast stuff. Thanks again for listening.